This should be played at high volume. Live and local. Let's go down in life, man. This is Acadiana's number one sports station. 1037 The Game. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Are you ready? You better get ready. Yeah! Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now on 1037 The Game. And welcome everyone to Under the Dome with CD. And let me make an immediate correction. It's not a two-hour show. It is, without a doubt, one of the best parts of your weekend. And it's the fastest hour in all of sports talk because we've only got one hour because we're leading you up to LSU taking on TCU. And hopefully you're having a great Saturday Morning, I know I sure am because I'm here with you, number one. Number two, I'm broadcasting live from the beautiful palatial 103.7 The Game Studios. Baby, we're looking good. And hopefully you're enjoying yourself and appreciate you listening in however you're doing so. Be it 103.7 The Game, 103.7thegame.com, the free mobile app, Amazon smart speakers, Amazon Alexas, you name it. We got all kinds of stuff. Uh, for you to listen in from. And I'm absolutely just loving it. Mind you, it's a little bit of a different show. A lot more Saints talk in this one hour. Again, leading you up to LSU-TCU tip-off right here on 103.7 The Game. Chris Blair and crew will lead you to that promised land and that big contest as part of the SEC Big 12 Challenge. And what do you know? We literally get on the air, and people are already chomping at the bit to get on the hotline. So we're going to go ahead and let that person get on the line right now, waiting with a little bit of patience. Hello, you're on Under the Dome. Okay. An immediate dial tone. I think I know exactly who that is. I'm sure we can text from him during this segment. But anyways, we move on. We move on, and we get to what's causing all this. On a Louisiana Saturday morning, I said we're going to talk a lot about the New Orleans Saints. I think it's apropos to start the show talking about the man that's made those headlines with your Saturday sports sermon. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. It's time for your Saturday sports sermon. And of course, we start with the news that came out earlier this week. It feels like all season, this Saints team has punched us in the gut for one reason or another. Players injured, suspended a few games due to PEDs, half the coaching staff out with COVID one game. Sean Payton catches COVID for a second time. Half the team's out with COVID heading into a big Monday Night Football game against the Miami Dolphins. And then the biggest gut punch of them all in terms of actual games that happened, Saints were eliminating the playoffs without even doing anything. They had won their game, just needed the Rams to do one thing, but they just couldn't do it. I want the Rams to lose so bad tomorrow, but we'll talk about that later. But it feels like every time this team punches you to the gut, it's like, how are they going to do this again? All of a sudden, it feels like 
you're in the back alley just saying, oh, you know, I'm, I'm okay. You're in a back alley somewhere. And all of a sudden, some dude just shivs you. And that guy was the New Orleans Saints because once again, they did it. I remember where I was when that announcement came down. And that is the one and only, you know, Jim Rome. He makes the announcement when Sean Payton announces his retirement earlier in the week. It was, I just, I vividly remember listening in and hearing that that news break and everybody was wondering what was going on it just didn't seem real it did not seem real but it was and it's crazy to think about because you know several days removed from the situation it feels like something out of a fever dream that Sean Payton just a few years removed from one of the best seasons in franchise history is now moving on and retiring stepping away from the game but then you really look at everything you look at sean payton and everything he's been seeing and also going through over the last two years makes you think this is something that was like an albatross and weighing on him and the decision may have come at the perfect time for him when you think about it so you go from the 2019 season to now you in the 2019 season with a tough loss to the minnesota vikings in overtime and I've said it before, I'll say it again. The overtime rule only sucks when it's your team that's on the other end of it. That's just my thoughts on it. If you have a disagreement with it, you've got the phone you got the phone line. 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. You got the phone line. Call me up. But yeah, that happened. The pandemic starts up not long after. Sean Payton, he winds up catching COVID not once, but twice. He got married during the offseason to a much younger woman. I think that's, again, more power to him. Congratulations to, to him and his family. He seems to be happy. That's At the end of the day, sometimes that's all that matters is to be happy. And that's what he is right now. Drew Brees retires last year, almost a year ago, in fact. Taysom Hill is going to be your quarterback going forward if you can't keep Jameis Winston or even get somebody else like a Russell Wilson or a Throw Rogan. Please, we don't want Throw Rogan in this household. And you start to think if you're Sean Payton, maybe it's time to slow down and really think about your future going forward. Because at the end of the, at the, end of the day, you've dealt, you've dealt with a lot of stuff, not just on the field, but off the field, especially dealing with COVID twice. I'm sure that played a, a small role into his decision-making. I could be completely off base here, but from what I can kind of surmise, that's where it's at. Now you wonder what the future holds for him. And I think at the end of the day, he could transition into the media game, be the new Bill Cower for NBC or Fox, because let's be honest, Jimmy Johnson and Terry Bradshaw, they ain't getting any younger. But I feel he's going to very well get that itch a few years from now and be a head coach once again. But it's wild to think how quickly this era of Sean Payton and Drew Brees football came to an end. And I can't help but to think of words I heard over seven and a half years ago from one Jeff Horchak on this very station. He said it multiple times and his theory may have proven to be pretty for true and that is one Jeff Horchak saying that both Peyton and Breeze would leave at the same time. It'd be almost a package deal and those two would 
throw up the deuces at the same time. It wasn't the same day and date, but in one year, the most iconic duo in Saints franchise history since Ricky Williams and Mike Ditka in that Sports Illustrated cover, they're not there anymore. And now you wonder what the future holds for the black and gold. You've got a lot of decisions that need to be made. You've got $70 million in cap hell. It's not as bad as $100 million because you've got a way to get out of it without really losing or risking a lot of guys. So I think there's it's it's going to be fun to see how that all turns out. It's going to be fun to see how it all turns out over the next several weeks and months. And I'm hoping Sean Payton enjoys that retirement and more importantly doesn't go coach the Dallas Cowboys. That's just that's just a like that would be like Nick Saban joining Alabama and going coach at Alabama for me because I just don't want him to succeed at that franchise. And I know he pretty will. But you think about the end of an era, 15 years, both these men ran things. And you think about the memories they made over those last 15 seasons since 2006. You go back in time. You remember after that 2005 season, the way it ended and the way it was, I should say, but not just the way it ended. It just was an absolute mess. They were, they jumped in at the time and time frame. Whenever that franchise's future was pretty uncertain. There were rumors about Oklahoma City, San Antonio being potential landing spots for that franchise going forward. Drew Brees, Sean Payton, Reggie Bush, all those guys from that first draft class under Payton. They helped revitalize not just New Orleans Saints football, not just make it relevant, but also bring back the city of New Orleans after one of the worst natural disasters that city has ever seen. And they, it, it was crazy. And Hurricane Katrina happened a year later. You had fans back in the Superdome. You had the rebirth game. You had them in the NFC Championship game in the very first year. Think about that. The first year that franchise played under Sean Payton and Drew Brees, they went to an NFC title game. That was uncharted waters. Winning a game hadn't happened since the year 2000 in the postseason. They had only had one win before that. Sean Payton, without a doubt, is going down as the greatest head coach in franchise history. There's no doubt about it. Winning that one Super Bowl, that was the moment, the crowning moment of that franchise's history. Yes, they've had multiple opportunities to do so, namely that 2018 season. And the Nolan Oak call nullified that. But I got to say, it's great to think about because if you're a head coach and you're a quarterback and a face of a franchise, you are part of a team for that long, you are going to wind up saying, hey, look what I did. I helped make that place better than I left it. Because let's be honest, it could be anybody. Any line of work that's at an upper level manager position or even an executive position, if you take over a spot like that and you are hired to help like change a franchise, change a program, whatever it is, go look at Billy Napier as a prime example. I guarantee you he's happy because he got that program in a much better place than it was when he set foot on campus. Sean Payton, the second he landed on Airline Drive, he turned that franchise into something that even John Taffer of Bar Rescue would be proud of and turned that franchise around and made it a power. 
for years, the Saints had, before Sean Payton, the, the Saints had been a laughing stock. There were moments of hope. But at the end of the day, there were still those, for every Saints playoff victory, you had, you know, the backwards passes of Aaron Brooks. For every Super Bowl, you had the Bounty Gate. You had all these things. They even out to a certain extent. But the New Orleans Saints, for years, were treated as an afterthought, as a law cow amongst the Cleveland Browns and even, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars of the modern age. But they overcame that and finally were able to put together the right formula. And if you're a Saints fan, that's all you want. That's all you ask for is to be at the very top of your game. And that is to be a champion. And that's what happened. Now, there's some other questions about what would have happened if they didn't make that onside kick at the start of the second half. Well, Oscar guy Ross Jackson about that at the bottom of this hour. Didn't expect to have Ross Jackson on in the month of January heading into Championship Sunday, but as I always mention, plans change the card. Like in pro wrestling, it's always subject to change, and it's always fun to have that change. If you want to call up 337-706-0111, talk about those New Orleans Saints, or maybe what they should do going forward, because obviously there are a lot of questions. Who's the next quarterback? Who's the next head coach? What happens to the guys there? Is this going to be a, like, basically retain your key guys, or is it going to be blow it up, reset everything, and let's go ahead and rebuild this franchise from the ground up? It's going to be a lot of questions we, we ask. And we're going to ask a lot of those to our guy, Ross Jackson. But in the next segment, I'm going to go ahead and talk about the future at head coach. Because I've got four names that I think absolutely should be at the top of their list. And I give you a little bit of pros and cons on all four of those. And then we'll have Ross Jackson at the bottom of the hour talking a little bit more detail, a little more deep dive into Sean Payton, his legacy and so much more. So keep it locked right here. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD right here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7 The Game.com. The world-famous CD is a pretty easygoing guy for the most part. Some might consider him to be the dude of Acadiana's sports station. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. There are some occasions when he does get unreasonably upset. I still don't understand why they drafted Ian Book in the fourth round. You didn't need another quarterback. You had two already. You could have wound up getting something that's going to help you out down the road offensively rather than somebody that's probably going to be more along the lines of a Garrett Grayson in the history of the Saints franchise. Let's all hope he's in a good mood this morning. Back to more Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game. Acadiana's Sports Station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Hopefully you're having a fantastic Saturday morning. I know I sure am because I'm here with you, number one. Number two, I was reminded when I look at our social media page. By the way, you can follow us on Facebook. Just search The Game Louisiana and also at Game underscore Louisiana on Twitter. But I was reminded when I pulled up Woke up this morning, looked at our social media, and saw that in just nine days, 
we're making an announcement. And I, I'm not as good at words as this guy, but I think there's a lot of different words that we can say about this announcement. And I'm absolutely like, I, I've said before with some people, this is going to be one of the biggest announcements I've ever been a part of here at Acadiana's Sports Station. Amazing, astounding, marvelous, astonishing, phenomenal, breathtaking, smashing, superb, fabulous, fantastic, tremendous, wondrous, monumental, mind-blowing, terrific, radical, colossal, dynamite, staggering. It's exactly all that stuff. It's going to be an amazing moment when we make this announcement in just nine days. Almost stealing a Ferris Bueller line when Ferris was absent from school nine times. Probably the one person here that loves that movie, to be honest with you. Ferris Bueller's Day Off is a damn good movie. But enough about that. Let's go ahead and get into the conversation about the New Orleans Saints and who the next head coach could be and should be. Because I think there's a lot of differences to it. So let's go ahead and, and look at the power rankings in my mind. I've got four of them. I'll go from four to one. And that's obviously in order of like popularity, who would be the best fit, and all that stuff. So, number four, I'm going to put Aaron Glenn because he's a guy that's been brought up a lot. And, again, he's familiar with the Saints franchise. He'll be coming back after a stint in Detroit. And Detroit was not a bad team. It's all like most years. The Detroit Lions just had bad luck and ran into buzzsaws in some cases. But they had moments where they could have won more games than they wound up doing this past season. I think they are a good team. You know, again, Dan Quinn's going to have, not Dan Quinn, listen to me. You know, the head coach of the Detroit Lions, he's going to have a good job. I think Dan Campbell, the next two years, I think that team can be a fringe playoff team every couple years. It's all about what happens with the Minnesota Vikings. Can they grow? The Green Bay Packers, if Aaron Rodgers is gone, that NFC North becomes a lot more wide open because the Bears, who knows how that's going to go because you just don't know what you're going to get out of Justin Fields with a new head coach in-house. In they announced theirs yesterday. That was definitely one of the ones Saints wanted to interview, but didn't happen is what it is. So number four, I think, is Aaron Glenn. He's got that reputation, and he knows that franchise pretty darn well. Again, spending years within that franchise as a defensive backs coach, he knows it. He knows what's going on. At the same time, though, not necessarily sure. He He's never been a head coach. He's always been largely a defensive backs coach in a D.C. He finally was able to move up after a couple of years of being a defensive backs coach during that key era of the New Orleans Saints. What can he do? How can he elevate himself? He's probably the one with, a, would say, the weakest resume because it's just he's moved up every time he's gotten a promotion, but can he be that the guy? That's my biggest question. But we go out to the 103.7 The Game hotline right now. Hello, you're on Under the Dome. Hello. Hey, um, how you doing? I really think Coach Ogeron is going to be the one you know, to take that spot. Really, you think you think Coach Ogeron is going to take that spot? Oh yeah, have, have you seen the way he's done with the Tigers? I mean, he, he he's really taking them to the next level. I'm I, I 
I get where you're coming from. I get where you're coming from. I appreciate the call. So the Ed Ogeron thing, I've gotten in conversations with people about this. I think that would be the worst thing the Saints could do is hire Ed Ogeron. That, because here's the thing. Ed Ogeron, he did a good job with the Tigers, yes. But how much of that? Like, really, just take a look at what's going on in Cincinnati right now. Two years ago, if you told me the Cincinnati Bengals were going to be in the AFC Championship game, I would have asked what kind of stuff you were smoking, and I probably would have asked you to pass some of that along because I think the stuff you were smoking, if you said that two years ago, would have been really good. And again, two years ago, before Joe Burrow was even drafted, before Joe Burrow was even drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals, I think a lot of what Ed Ogeron did, he did a good job as being a guy who could manage a team well. And again, a lot of it has to do with the fact that they had a three-year game plan and you got lucky. You got lucky and got one of the best quarterbacks in the history of LSU football. One of the best, not the best, but one of the best in franchise in program history in Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow helped Ed Ogeron get to those heights. Yes, there was a lot of other great talent, like Derek Stingley Jr., a lot of other great talent that was in there. Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. At the end of the day, I think Joe Burrow got them to that finish line. I'm not necessarily sure Ed Ogeron would even entertain that idea right now, to be honest with you. Because Ed Ogeron's getting paid a ton of money not to do a damn thing. Why would you mess up a good thing and go ahead and coach? And I Here's the thing. If I'm a head coach and I just got fired, I got paid big bucks, I'm going to go ahead and enjoy myself and kind of relax and let myself reset. And then if I want to go coach again, I can go coach again. But I feel like that well's run dry. You go look at every other spot that Ed Ogeron's been in. Yes, the last stop on his resume was good, but I guarantee you the last two years of that job, last two years where his job performance was pretty poor, to be honest with you, that's going to play large in terms of a conversation. So he's not even on my list, and he shouldn't be on anybody's list, if I'm being honest with you. But we go out to the 103.7 game hotline. Hello, you're on Under the Dome. Hey, CD. Um, hey, Ralph. Look, I just wanted to give my two cents real quick. Uh, in that, in this situation, if, if, the, if the Saints had fired a coach and there would be rebuilding and having to totally reload, uh, I would say, yeah, you know, open it up, go outside the organization, start fresh, whatever. That's not the situation. You know, Sean Payton walked away. Uh, you have a, an intact coaching staff that has been pretty much the same for a few years now. And that's why I think it makes more sense to, to, to give Dennis Allen another chance at the head job. Uh, the biggest question mark to me is, is who do you promote the defensive coordinator then? Uh, uh, you know, do you uh, give it to Chris Richard or do you promote uh, Ryan Nielsen? Because I think they're both, you know, pretty hot names as far as candidates go. And you did deny Nielsen the chance to interview for the LSU DC job in 2021. So, I say you don't mess with a good thing because if you bring in a brand-new head coach, he's going to want to change at least some of that staff, and and I don't want to see that happen. So just my take, man. And exactly. you know, and That's where I was going to go to next, Ralph. I was talking a lot about Aaron Glenn. He's number four on the list. I think number three is a dark horse in the sense of, hey, who's going to be the next guy as the head coach of the Saints? And Dennis Allen – is a great pick. He's number three on my list because of the fact I think number two, Eric Bieniemy, he's that guy that absolutely has just been knocking on the door of a lot of different opportunities. He's from New Orleans. 
if you but it feels like at the end of the day he's waiting for Andy Reid to step away from the game and take over that spot of the Kansas City Chiefs that feels like it's where it's going a lot like when you heard about him uh, the former assistant coach for the San Antonio Spurs a couple years ago she was definitely in line to be the next head coach after Pop retired now she's coaching in the WNBA right now I'm sure the second that job becomes available, the Spurs will call her up and take her over. And that will be a great thing for the league. But that's a different conversation for, for a different day, and it's a different sport. But Eric Bieniemy, I feel like, is that guy that's going to take over the Chiefs job not too far down the road. But he could be an amazing pickup. Brian Flores is a long shot. He's number one on my list simply because of the fact that he has that reputation. Again, he, for two straight years, had winning records with the Dolphins, Despite, you know, Tua Tagovailoa being consistently injured and, you know, him not necessarily being able to have a full season under his belt, this guy, I think, should be the right answer in the not-too-distant future for any team. But Brian Flores, if he joins the Saints, that's huge. But I think he's going to wind up going to the Houston Texans. So with that said, process of elimination in terms of this multiple-choice question, I think Dennis Allen is the right pick. It may not be the sexiest pick. It may not be the pick that makes you just stand out and say, hey, I want it. But when you look at the odds, it's a lot like just taking that safe bet and betting a dollar. It's a safety net. It's a, I was thinking about this word yesterday, and it's not a bunch of words, it's a person, Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker took over an Astros franchise that was embroiled in scandal, and he handled that thing with a plum. He has been a phenomenal member of that Astros franchise and really has kept the ship afloat. At the end of the day, it's not a situation of, hey, we need to completely rebuild everything. To a certain extent, it's a lot like what happened over at UL. He's UL. They had to, their head coach left to go have better opportunities. Billy Napier over at Florida. He wanted to take a lot of other coaches, but I think there's a chance where the, the New Orleans Saints, not the Cajuns, the Saints will have an opportunity to say, hey, we're doing pretty good with what we got. Let's go ahead and promote Dennis Allen. Let's give these guys a chance. Let's give these guys like Eric Bieniemy, Aaron Glenn, Brian Flores, an opportunity to wow us. And if they wow us, let's go ahead and do it. But we know our plan B has to be Dennis Allen. And you promote, as he, as Ralph said, Ryan Nielsen could be the best choice for that job. Now, the other question is, who's going to be taking over the play calling? Because, obviously, Sean Payton was one of those that loved to do the play. It was an offensive play caller, an offensive mind. How does that play out? It's a lot of questions we're going to have to figure out. But I think if Dennis Allen is the one that's selected and we see the white smoke come out of airline drive, over in Metairie, I guarantee you people will love it. People will love it because of the fact that the Saints made the right choice in terms of a long-term decision. I think Dennis Allen could be a head coach for a good while, not as long as Sean Payton, but I think the fact that he can, as long as he can get this team to wins and be in contention, especially in an, in, 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 uh, in, in, in NFC South, that is fairly competitive right now, but if the rumors are true and Tom Brady retires, 
all that stuff, if the rumor in the window about him is true, that division gets a lot more easy. It's almost a layup. So that's a lot of the questions you're going to be asking. And we're going to try and figure that out over the next several weeks, hopefully not months. Hopefully we find out something by mid-February, not too long after the Super Bowl, and we hear this news. We're not, I mean, the Saints are not the Washington football team going to go and casually announce our the new name during Super Bowl week. No, no, no. We're doing it on our own time to where we're the headline. Not the Super Bowl, not a new team name. All that stuff is out the window. That's where I'm at. But we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. Going to bring on Ross Jackson for a little bit. Talk about the New Orleans Saints and Sean Payton. So keep it locked right here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. The fastest hour in all of sports talk keeps it rolling. After all your problems during the week, it's finally the weekend. Woo! Yeah, baby! That's what it's all about. That means you're getting more Under the Dome with CD right now on 103.7 The Game, Acadiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on 103.7 The Game, 103.7thegame.com, the fastest hour in all of sports talk, leading you up. To LSU taking on TCU right here on 1037 the game. Chris Blair, John Brady on the call for that contest as part of the SEC Big 12 Challenge. But what we'll shift over to more Saints talk. Because again, it it's the biggest story of the day, of the week, of the month. And as of right now, probably the story of the year. If you're in the state of Louisiana and you follow our favorite teams, the Saints, LSU, Cajuns, the Pelicans, you name it. It's Sean Payton stepping away and retiring. And I didn't expect on a championship weekend when the Saints aren't even remotely involved to have on this guy. But I'm glad to have him on. It's just weird because a couple weeks ago we talked about how the season was over. How I was going to say, talk to you down the road, closer to draft season. Two weeks later, it's a lot like the Godfather Part 3. Just when you think you're out, we pull you back in. Ross Jackson, host of the Locked On Saints podcast and Canal Street Chronicles. How you doing, brother? Hey, brother. I'm good. I love the I love the uh, the Godfather Three reference as long as I can be Andy Garcia. All right, that's all I ask. Okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> and you know, you know, we're, we're talking about mob movies. I want to kind of flip it over more to, more towards a, a modern slant because this, to a certain extent, this coaching talk about who's going to take over. It feels to a certain extent a lot like the show Succession, and I'm wondering how that right. how it all works out. And is Dennis Allen going to be the guy that takes over this spot? Is he the is he going to be that guy, or will there be a moment where you're wowed by a potential head coaching candidate, maybe like a Brian Flores, or if you can get him to come over and Eric Bieniemy to interview? Yeah, look, I think that there are a lot of different ways that this can go. I think the the way that I've I've tried to kind of frame it is that Dennis Allen should be considered the in-house front runner. That's the way that I would look at it. Because there are some other head coaching uh, candidates 
within the New Orleans Saints organization that are already there. Guys that like uh, the assistant head coach as well as defensive line coach Ryan Nielsen, Chris Richard, who's had defensive coordinator experience in the NFL, what came in and took over for Aaron Glenn as the uh, defensive backs coach this year. A guy like Ronald Curry, who's currently the Saints quarterback coach, who's been a rising star in NFL circles and particularly coaching conversations and coaching circles over the past few years. I don't expect that trajectory stops or slows down for him at any time. He'll probably have to move into an offensive coordinator role sometime first. But either way, I mean, there are these the, the, the New Orleans Saints coaching staff is loaded with these people that have been either part of this organization long enough to step in or that have the talent for sure. And I'll, you know, I'll throw out a guy like Pete Carmichael in terms of you know longevity with the uh, organization as well. But I think in terms of all of those in-house guys, Dennis Allen is the one that you have to look at right now and say he's the front runner. He should be the favorite in terms of what is there in the building. But I think, to your latter point, can the New Orleans Saints be wowed by an outside candidate? Absolutely. And the New Orleans Saints are doing the right thing. Mickey Loomis talked about it yesterday. They owe it to the organization. To the, It's the right thing for the, for the team to go out there and conduct a full head coaching search. So they're taking a look at those outside candidates as well. And there's a good chance that one of them potentially wows them. But right now, Dennis Allen should be considered the, the heavy favorite. What are the chances? This, this is something I got in conversation with a little bit earlier with a caller, and we were talking about you know if it isn't Dennis Allen because I think Dennis Allen is that perfect kind of glue guy to keep the structure together. But if you go get somebody else, let's say a Eric Bieniemy or a Brian Flores, do you think one of the big talking points about taking over that position as the head coach of the Saints is going to be hey? You're going to work with our ingredients because we like the nucleus that we've built. How much is that going to play into the negotiations and the conversations that are going to be had with the outside candidates? I would imagine that that's a, that that's a big part of it. And, and it's not to say that if a, if a head coaching candidate comes in and says, I don't want to work with the nucleus that's here, I want to bring in my own people, doesn't mean that it's impossible that that couldn't happen. But I would imagine that the starting point of these conversations, based upon sort of the base level or the foundation that's going to be laid, is that, hey, the foundation is already here. You know, if Dennis Allen doesn't get hired elsewhere, keeping him on as defensive coordinator, I'm sure would be something that New Orleans Saints would want to do, particularly, I mean, as well as their special teams coaches who have done such a phenomenal job with the special teams unit. Um, you know, Pete Carmichael is an offensive coordinator who's been around in different capacities since Sean Payton showed up in 2006, much like Dennis Allen. And so I think that when you look at what the New Orleans Saints have in the room, I can completely understand them wanting to start from a place of, you know, bringing somebody in to fill the vacant role, but not necessarily creating an upheaval or anything within the organization. Now, there is, or within the coaching staff, there's the chance, though, that some outside candidate is too good to pass up and matches the philosophy of New Orleans too well and you know, is, is, has the synergy with the ownership and everything, uh, all the high-ranking folks that are going to be a part of those conversations, but, and, and becomes a can't-miss prospect for them and then comes in and, and still does that, right, and makes the changes. But the Saints have to decide on what's best for the team, and I think that would be a part of the extensive conversation. If not this, then what? And can they all align on that? So certainly I wouldn't rule anything out at this point, at least until a head coach is named. But I I imagine that there would be a starting place for this conversation around wanting to keep the nucleus intact. Talking now, Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints podcast and Canal Street Chronicles. And just looking at the way the New Orleans Saints are set up right now, and it's crazy to think about, Two years ago, we had Sean Payton, Drew Brees. Now both of those are gone. And you're also dealing with the uncertainty about how you're going to handle the quarterback position. Is Jameis Winston going to come back? 
what's the market going to look like for him? Will it be more akin to what we saw with Teddy Bridgewater a couple years ago where he was able to leave and go get himself a really good payday somewhere else? You're kind of just wondering what that future is going to look like with everything going on. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and it's all kind of tied into the head coach, too, right? Like some head coaches would come in and would be willing to, you know, work with a certain quarterback. And there would be other coaches that are going to come in and say, no, I want to pursue, you know, this quarterback or that quarterback or whoever it is that they're, that they're, they are connected to. You know, uh, just to give an example, for instance, uh, a guy like Byron Leftwich, who's been tapped to interview with the Saints uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He spent 2019 working with Jameis Winston. Now, that was the season that Jameis threw 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions, but he also had a 5,000-yard passing season that season. He was dealing with a ton of injuries. Here he is rehabbing and looking pretty good so far, coming off of his ACL injury. Could he, you know, if the Saints went with Byron Leftwich, for instance, would he be interested in working with Jameis again? So I think that some of those decisions end up getting tied to the, the head coach that's appointed. You know, somebody that's from within the organization may be more willing to move forward with Taysom Hill at the helm, for instance. Dennis Allen has a tie with a quarterback already that could potentially be on the move this offseason, and Derek Carr from the Raiders. So there's a lot of different ways that it can go, and it's, it's going to be really tough to answer the question around, or not to answer the question, but to sort of, be able to say here's who the favorite is to be the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints until that head coaching position is filled. All right, got more here, Ross, and I want to just look more towards Sean Payton. How shocked were you to hear that announcement come down on Tuesday? I know there were days like over the last week where you started to hear the rumor and innuendo kind of pop up. I kind of largely blocked out the noise, but now that it's happened, it's like, it was a mind blow to see that happen, especially on like a Tuesday afternoon around like one o'clock, the announcement comes out. Right. Right. Yeah, no, you're right. Like there was a little bit of a lead up, but it didn't make it any more unbelievable. Right. It wasn't a shock because of the fact that, you know, in terms of its timing, because we kind of heard what was happening and saw what was happening and knew that there was actually smoke here and everything, as opposed to the usual, you know, yearly annual rumors about, Sean Payton heading to Dallas or whatever. Uh, but, you know, when you saw the smoke start to kind of appear, you, you got a, the opportunity to kind of brace for it. But still, it's you know, it was surprising. It was shocking in that way. And, you know, Sean Payton's going to be remembered as a legacy, right? He'll be remembered for revitalizing football in New Orleans and helping to change the football landscape across the NFL, the way that committee running back systems work, the way that offensive line has gone from five offensive linemen positions to six offensive linemen positions because of what Sean Payton did with Senio Calabete back in the day. Every team around the NFL searching for an Alvin Kamara or searching for a Taysom Hill. Meanwhile, the only Alvin Kamara and the only Taysom Hill were in New Orleans because of Sean Payton, because of the staff that he helped to put together and the culture that he helped to create. And so uh, I, I, it, it was a very, very sort of jarring situation because you kind of figure hey he's got so much cachet in new orleans it doesn't make sense for him to leave but then as he explained it and he talked over 92 minutes with new orleans media explaining and talking about his decision and taking questions and saying that he was going to stay there and answer every question as long as there were questions like you saw the the genuine nature of where sean payton was and just that his heart wasn't in coaching for 2022 and I think he, you know, had to make a decision for him, and so it was, it was surprising, it was shocking, but I, I loved the, um, the, the follow-up, right? Him taking the time to to speak and clarify and and have that conversation with everybody. And it felt it felt appropriate to do that, Ross. And here's here's my last question for you, and it's a pure hypothetical. Maybe you'll need some time to sit on it. I'm not sure, but hypothetically, what if 
Sean Payton goes for the onside kick and it doesn't pay off. Like, does his legacy change in any way? Yeah, you kind of wonder if, you know, that the, the type of, when we talk about Sean Payton as a risk taker, we tend to put, you know, ambush right on the top of that, right? And so it makes you wonder, you know, would he have made it through the seven and nine seasons had it not been for his gutsy play calling that he showed earlier that has the capacity to win them games? There was so much trust in Sean Payton that he earned um, over the course of his, his time in New Orleans that probably, I think, probably started with the 10 and 6 season and the coach of the year season, but then really kind of hit its peak from 2009 all the way to what, 2011, basically, and then into, you know, some more complicated years. But it was, it, it was a very high peak for him and, you know, coming away with that Super Bowl win and the fact that. He, his play call single-handedly changed the complexity of that game. Uh, and, of course, Thomas Morris' execution and everyone's execution in that play, but his play call changed the complexion of that game, and I think that earned you uh, a lot of trust within an organization, and he turned that into 15 pretty incredible years, uh, consistently putting together one of the greatest offenses in the NFL and becoming one of the NFL's greatest coaches, at least of the modern-day era. You certainly have to put him up there, but I think he'll be in those conversations soon after what I imagine will be uh, a first ballot Hall of Fame bid once he's uh, ready for that. Exactly. And, you know, 30 seconds here. If into, after his contract runs out, because he's, he's under contract till 2024, if after that mm-hmm. point he comes back to coaching and joins the Dallas Cowboys, will he become the most hated man in New Orleans? <laughs> it's funny. I, I, I don't think he will. I don't think that he will. I, I think that, you know, 15 years of what he gave the city of New Orleans and the Gulf Coast, um, and, and same fans around the world will not be erased by, you know, a, a few years of coaching for the Dallas Cowboys, which is a, a city that he has a lot of ties to and a team that he has a lot of ties to. I think that it would be something that would make perfect sense for him if he returned to coaching. And, you know, I think you would see your fair share of, uh, of fun stuff. But don't forget, Sean's petty, too, right? So any hate that's coming at him, he'll make sure that he sends right back in a, his, his usual jovial, joking manner. So I don't think he would. I think he might give himself a harder time than most people publicly would. I'd agree with you, Ross, but I think we can both agree that if he joins the Falcons, then then all bets are off. Yeah, yeah, we're done. We're done here. <laughs> no, no further conversation at that point. No. <laughs> right. I think what they would do is probably roll his roasted Falcon clip in the Superdome every time he showed up. I will say that. <laughs> all right, Ross, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll definitely be talking to you down the road. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, man. You as well, my brother. Take care, bud. Good to see you. All right, Ross Jackson part of the Locked On Saints podcast, actually the host of it, and also part of Canal Street Chronicles. We're going to take a quick timeout, wrap up the show, one final take, then take you to LSU, TCU, right here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7 thegamecom Just before we close up shop here on 103.7 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one, or is it going to be one he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. The final take, we got to go to Championship Sunday. And the two games, I think those results go as follows. We get 49ers Chiefs part deux. In the Super Bowl, we see the same thing we saw a couple years ago, simply because I think it's not quite the Bengals' time. A lot like the New Orleans Saints in 2006. We brought that up earlier. 
They got to the NFC Championship game. They got mollywhopped by the Bears. I think the Chiefs and Bengals, it's going to be competitive. At least I'm hoping it's competitive for reasons. That said, I've got to think that the future is bright for the Bengals. And they could be in a Super Bowl in a couple years down the road. But I like the Saints in 2006, the Chiefs in 2018. You got to wait. It's a little bit longer before you get to that promised land. Then we go to the NFC side. The Rams, I've mentioned before, they're all in. And if they don't get into the Super Bowl, I think they're all out of luck. And they're all out of time when it comes to making it anytime soon. And I just feel the 49ers can get it done for a third time. I think they can achieve that in the NFC Championship game against their NFC West rival. Because, again, it's a big game, and if you've seen Matt Stafford in big games, he's stumbled. He has stumbled, and that's what's cost them a lot over the course of several years, going back to his time with the Detroit Lions. He's never really been in the bright lights of an NFC Championship game. How does he shine? Jimmy G, he's seen that from the bench to the field. He's seen it. I think the 49ers do indeed win, and the Chiefs win. Now, if this were Faye five bets, I'd say take the Bengals to cover plus seven. I'd say take the over in both of those games. I'd say take the 49ers to cover and win outright. But it's not the Faye five. Besides, that was four picks. By the five, got to go with an anytime touchdown for one Jamar Chase. And also maybe one for George Kittle, too. We're going to get out of here. I'm going to take a timeout. No, we're done. No more timeouts. No more of that. We got LSU basketball coming up. LSU TCU. And that is coming up in just a few minutes. Chris Blair and crew will be joining you. So keep it live right here on 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Peace. Oh yeah, kick it!